Welcome back to the Get Cute Podcast, and today we are going to be talking about studying for Google's software engineering interview. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone. I expect this episode to have a lot of information, and I also expect this episode to have a lot of questions. And believe me, I have done my best to go through uh, RCS career questions and try to compile the most asked questions that are on that and the questions that I would ask somebody that is interviewing for Fang or Google or whomever and trying to give it to you in a podcast format. So yes, I mentioned this in my last episode that I was approached to interview at Google, which I was extremely excited about, um, as I said, because as a software engineer, when uh, you get the opportunity to interview for a fan company, it means a lot. Full disclosure, I did not go through with the Google interview, um, mainly because I was and still am in a bit of a fragile mental state. And uh, the grueling process of studying for the interview, um, and let me clarify, the interview at the time was just for the phone screening, which I will get into that later on in the episode. Um, but I, it was just too much. I had already been studying for two months at this point and had also already moved the interview once. Um, or had it moved once to January. Actually, January 6th, it was supposed to be today. And I just had to pull myself out of consideration for that, mainly because I knew that I was not going to perform to the best of my abilities, and it was not fair to myself or to Google to do that. Um, If they want to reach back out to me in the future, hopefully somewhere down along the line, I will be in a better place to put myself through such a grueling interviewing process. Um, Grueling from the fact of studying. I'm not saying that the recruiter was mean or anything like that. If anything, my recruiter was extremely nice and helpful and was very understanding. And also the person that scheduled the interview was also very understanding. So I can't say anything but nice things about Google from that perspective. Um, So hopefully maybe in the future that would be in my cards, but for right now, um, working at Google is just not for me. Definitely not studying for it. (laughs) I should say, also, excuse my voice, I am sick. This has gone from an acute upper respiratory infection to bronchitis, and you know, this is probably going to be the only time I get to record this episode while it's on my mind, and I'm excited about it, so hopefully y'all will just have to stick with me on that. One of the questions that people ask is, how did you get an interview at whatever fan company, or in this case, Google? And to tell you the truth, the the Google recruiter reached out to me to connect on LinkedIn, um, probably the beginning of the summer, maybe around June, July. And at that time, I was and still am at my current employer, and I was good. I wasn't looking because I had just started um, really getting back into the groove at my job. And you know what? The creator was like, that's fine. I'll reach back out to you and blah, 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 blah. So months go by and I get an email 
asking if I'm still interested. And at this point, I'm like, in my mind, it's kind of like the door is always open. And uh, if Google reaches out to you, you have to say yes. Or at least that's my mindset. <laughs> so um, that's essentially how I got the interview. After that um, interaction with my recruiter, um, we set up a call and he just asked me really basic questions. Um, it was just initial phone screening to make sure you're not some weirdo or an asshole, you know, the, init the initial phone screen. And it was just very basic questions, anything that you would get from uh, a phone screen from a recruiter from um, most companies. Um, asked about your work history, asked about uh, what projects I was working on currently, uh, what languages I used, uh, what gets me really excited, um, what are my expectations such as like culture, team, um, salary, because I brought that up, benefits, all of those things. And that was discussed, which was really nice. And then toward the end of the call, they talked to me about what positions specifically they wanted to submit me for uh, for me to apply to. And this position was actually in D.C., which D.C., okay, I wasn't um, initially very excited about it. But then I reached out to some people that I know had worked at Google and also currently work at Google. And they said that you can absolutely reach back out to the recruiter and say, hey, I'm actually more interested in the New York office, which I was and still am at the time, um, interested to work in New York. Um, I really have no wants to move from where I am right now, but if I were to move, it would more than likely be to New York. Um, really don't want to swap coasts. If I swap coasts, it would have to be for my dream job, but I, for right now, I want to stay on the East Coast and as close to my friends as possible. So after the initial phone screening with the recruiter, um, within maybe a day or two days, I can't remember the time frame specifically, but it was very short, I received an email saying, congratulations, they want to move forward. Um, it was information just gave you a bunch of resources um, for tackling the interviewing process within four weeks, which is really nice that they gave you that amount of time. Obviously, Google knows how hard their interviewing process is, and they give you um, what I would say is ample time to study and to um, review the materials and to go forward with it, depending on uh, what you do in your job currently. However, uh, my job isn't very algorithm heavy, and it had been a while since I had to do anything of the sort of any studying for my current job, almost a, a year or so. So um, <laughs> I had a lot of studying to do. So it's very grateful and thankful that they broke down the resources that I would need uh, to be successful within four weeks leading up to the phone screening. And this is a great segue to talk about the resources that I actually used once um, I began studying. And I will say that I did take some of the resources that they had, um, mainly like the YouTube videos and everything, which I will go through um, once I am done going down my resources list, because it's a very long list. I, I was out here, y'all. I was out here reading, <laughs> unfortunately. So the first resource, and I have mentioned this in a previous episode. Oh, I should say that all of the resources that I'm using, I will leave links to Amazon and Apple 
book links in the show notes description. As always, it's a full disclaimer that if you use my links for Apple Books, I do receive a commission from that, um, which would be very nice. Wink, wink. Um, However, you do not have to use the link to purchase that. You can go directly to Apple Books and purchase it there. But full disclosure, I'm just letting you all know. Either way, all the resources that I use will be in the show notes. So don't you worry about it. The first book that I reread for the nth time uh, was Cracking the Coding Interview, the sixth edition. And, you know, Cracking the Coding Interview is sort of like the software engineering Bible, right? And they have an entire passage of how to uh, set up and prepare for a Google interview and walking you through that process. And I say read that book from front cover to back cover, and then read it again if you have the time available. It's so useful and so helpful and has been for um, coding interviews that weren't at Fagging companies. So it's just a great, great resource. If you have not picked it up yet, I highly, highly suggest it. Um, So yeah, definitely. Um, The second book that I picked up, which is actually... A book that I should have had for a very, very long time. I remember wanting to get this book probably when I first started out coding when I was working at J.P. Morgan. But, you know, it's an expensive book. (laughs) Racking up these books, it's expensive. Um, But this book is Algorithms by Robert Sedgwick and Kevin Wayne. All of the examples of this are in Java. Um, You have to know Java in order to get through this book. This is not a beginner Java-friendly book, let me tell you right now. (laughs) So um, for me, it gave me the coding examples in Java, which is amazing. It's something that I understood. And I feel as though if you are a Java programmer and you are going to go forth and continue to be a Java programmer and are going to continue taking um, these whiteboarding and coding interviews in Java, this is a book that you must have. You cannot go without it. Um, the third book that I used, I actually did not know about until Joel at Egghead, shout out to Joel, told me about this on Twitter because I was asking for resources about algorithms because for some reason, and now I know the reason, but for some reason, algorithms were not coming to me very easily. And, um, it's very odd because I am naturally very good at math and obviously I went through a coding boot camp and have been coding for almost four years. So it's not like I don't know algorithms or how to solve things algorithmically. It just, when I was reading it, just my brain was not connecting the dots. And so Joel suggested Groking's algorithms and I will say this book is in Python. It has Python examples, but Python is very easily readable language, so it wasn't anything that um, I found daunting or uh, I felt impeded my understanding of the coding examples that he given. But oh my goodness, when I say that this book is like God's gift to algorithms, it is so precisely written. The actual visuals that go along with the algorithms it the way things are explained it's just so concise and you're like why did I never think of it this way before but thankfully the author thought of it this way it was just so so amazing and I cannot say enough of this book I actually read that book twice and now algorithms aren't that 
huge hurdle to me anymore. It's something that I can actually understand and talk to other people about. And it's it's just really exciting. And it just completely broke down that barrier of entry for me as far as my mind understanding algorithms. So I cannot say enough good things about this book. And it's just fucking phenomenal. So if you don't want to pick up um, algorithms by Robert Sedgwick and Kevin Wayne, definitely pick up Girl Things Algorithms because it's it's phenomenal. The fourth and final book that I picked up and I read, um, I know some of you are like, wait, that's not enough books. And you're right, I did not go through a lot of um, material outside of algorithms, but we will get into that later. Um, anyway, my fourth and final book is going to be Programming Pearls by John Bentley. Now, this is a shorter book. And this actually ties into another resource that I will talk about in a little bit. But it, it's just a really nice practical approach to breaking down algorithmic problem solving. And I feel like sometimes when teaching um, new people how to code and how to solve problems, the biggest part of that is that they don't know how to problem solve efficiently. They don't know how to break um, a question down into smaller chunks. They don't know how to to actually ask the right questions to um, make the problem more simplistic. And um, this book teaches you that. And I don't want to say that I was great at it before, but I had pretty moderate knowledge. But I, I feel like this has made me even better. And I highly suggest it for y'all as well. Now let's go on to what resources that Google actually provided me with. So I am pretty sure that the resources that the recruiter gave me was like a specifically canned template of uh, resources that they give anybody that is going to be interviewing for a software engineer. And um, it's very nice. Uh, uh, the majority of the resources were YouTube videos that were made by Googlers and um, they were whiteboarding problems and pretty much showed you how um, they expect you to be able to talk with the interviewer and to also talk out your thought process. And, you know, when I give um, mock coding interviews or when I did give mock coding interviews because I don't do it as much anymore, one of the biggest things as feedback was that you need to talk to your interviewers because otherwise we aren't going to be able to help you reach the solution. And, um, you know, the interviewers, if they're not assholes, they are there to help you reach the solution because we do want you to solve the problem. We don't want you to fail. And then, but this completely takes it, Google takes it to the next level um, as far as being able to talk through it and then it's not only solving the problem, but then um, viewing your solution, understanding why it's not necessarily as efficient, talking with the interviewer to talk about changes that you could make, and then implementing those changes to make it faster and more efficient. And um, that is something I definitely didn't have practice with. And just being able to watch it and see that unfold was really nice as well. I will also say that it's very easy to go to YouTube and search for um, software engineering interview, Google or Fang or whichever. And there are a lot of ex-employees <laughs> and people that are actually um, went through the whole process. And watching those videos helped me a lot because uh, 
it was just nice to see uh, the human interaction um, in that aspect and how you should be able to carry yourself through the interview. So I thought that was really nice as well. Beside the YouTube videos, um, one thing that I took the most out of um, the Google email, and I don't really want to go through and talk about all of the resources that they listed because A, it's public and you can find it. B, I'm not quite sure what type of privacy things that I'm confined by. So I'm just going to give you the resources from that email that I used and found helpful was a public article that's on LinkedIn called Average to Google or in Four Weeks a Study Plan. I'm also going to link the article down below in the show notes because um, it helped me quite a lot. And Oh, one of the books that I actually suggested to y'all, Programming Pearls, I got from this article. Now, I will say that I did not follow this article to the T of what to do over the four weeks. I found that the actual plan that he went through was a little intense for me. The article writer was also working a full-time job, but then he would come home and study for like six to seven hours a day and I tried that for maybe two or three days before I found that it just wasn't up for me. I found the schedule pretty grueling actually and perhaps if I was in a situation where Google was my number one company and I didn't already have a job and you know it was in this like do or die state for me because that is the type of situation where I, I excel the most. That just wasn't the case for me. I was very excited to be in the running for interviewing for Google, but I, it wasn't anything that I was going to put my well-being and sanity above studying for this interview. So that part I just didn't like about it. Uh, for people that need a bit more structure and are willing to go that mile, then absolutely that's fine. But it just wasn't for me. <laughs> I also don't want to paraphrase and talk about his entire blog because you should actually read it. It's very well laid out. He goes into self-care and how you should take care of yourself and continue exercising, all those great things that I feel as we who are trying to study and trying to get a job, we kind of let those things go um, when we're grinding or studying for things, which I thought was really nice for him to put there in that reminder but of course like I said I will leave the link in the show notes below and I do want to mention that take this and apply it to the knowledge that you already have of course my knowledge is going to differ from yours and you're going to need to study more things more thoroughly than I'm going to have to study things more thoroughly but this along with all the resources that I'm giving you helped me have a greater understanding of what is expected from me as a software engineer, not just for the Google interview. And I think that's the exciting part about this is just um, throughout this entire process, I know that I've grown as a software engineer and that's made it a really more exciting for me as well. But the last resource I'm going to give y'all, because I know you're probably like, but you're missing the huge one, um, Leap Code Premium. I... Yes, I fucking paid for Leak Code Premium. <laughs> um, and I'll explain why. I'll explain why. It's because Leak Code Premium, if you pay for it, it gives you a breakdown of the Leak Code problems by Fang Company. 
which was really, really nice because it's no secret or perhaps it's an open secret that Google regularly takes algorithm challenges for the whiteboarding problems and for their phone screenings from leak code. So they have a pretty good database of the problems that you might actually be asked. And you know what? I paid for it and the way I tackled it was I looked for the easiest ones. <laughs> dragged through the easiest ones, went to the medium ones, to the hard ones. And then after that, I went through and I did them again and just tried to be faster with it. Um, I'm going to be completely honest with y'all. When I was going through my boot camp, we were doing Hacker Inc. Hacker Inc. is also a great resource. Pretty much any website that's going to have you going through algorithmic challenges and have questions and having you solve them through code is fine. But I just chose Leak Code Premium for um, the specific instance of studying for this interview. I, f I fucking hated it. I hated Hacker Inc. Uh, I can't say that I love leak code. It, it's like pulling teeth to me. But unfortunately, I understand that leak code is a necessary evil to bump up that paycheck because for jobs that are with FANG companies and those companies that are trying to emulate FANG companies, they are hiring people that grind leak code. And that's just the reality of it. It doesn't matter if you're entry level, mid level, senior level, it, it doesn't matter. That is what is expected of you. And I have said on this podcast before, I don't necessarily agree with the state of software engineering interviews um, because I do not feel as though just because you can remember algorithms and do all of these things on a whiteboard isn't necessarily um, a great indicator of how you are going to perform in the workplace as a software engineer. And I will say that all day, every day, but I do realize that it's a necessary evil and um, you just gotta fucking do it. You gotta do it, y'all. It's terrible, but we have to. Sweet little tip for you, that if you don't want to be like me, do a leak code problem a day. Just one leak code problem a day, because if you do what I did and you just do leak code while you're grinding and preparing for interviews and then you stop once you get a job, it's going to be even harder having to get back into the habit of it once you're looking for an interview or you just happen to get an interview from Google out of nowhere and you're like, oh crap, I haven't done a leak code or any algorithm problems in like a year plus. Don't be me. Do one... <sighs> Do one a day. Pretend it's like exercise. It's for your own good. It's for your financial well-being. The last bit of information that I want to give you all, and that is taken directly from the leaflet that uh, the recruiter sent to me in terms of information prepping, is going to be the things that you need to know backwards and forwards. It's not a fucking joke. They expect you to know this. And when I got that list some of the things made me really scared. I was just like, oh, I don't know. I don't know about that. You know, and some people may be like, well, if you got a computer science degree, maybe it wouldn't be that hard. Well, you know what? I think I've done just fine for myself without one person. But I'm not going to go in depth on any of these. I am just going to list them out for you. And you take that as you will. And you add that to your repertoire if you are prepping for FANG companies. So here we go. First thing, coding. 
Shocker. I know. Uh, Google actually prefers you know C++, Python, Java, Go, or C when you're interviewing with them. Um, they expect you to know object-oriented programming principles. They also expect you to know APIs. I feel like that's pretty much a base knowledge for anybody that has been working in an industry for X amount of time and hopefully X um, knowledge for people that have had internships or perhaps have knowledge with online courses. But that is that shit you need to know. Second thing, algorithms. There's a reason why I focused so heavily on that when I was gathering all of my resources and studying initially. Algorithms are huge. Sorting, uh, which just means common sorting functions. Data structures. I feel as though if, if you say or you think that you're good at algorithmic problem solving, you should know your fucking data structures for the language that you're solving in. Because there are advantages of certain data structures over others in your language and things that are going to be more efficient. So know your data structures. And if you if you study algorithms, you should know your data structures. Mathematics, which was a slight shocker to me because apparently, according to Google themselves, they do have some interviewers that ask basic discrete math questions. And I'm telling y'all right now, I'm 31. If I had a discrete math question asked of me... At any portion of an interview, it'd be a wrap. It'd be a wrap for your girl. But that's something that you should know. Graphs, recursion, something that's very close to my heart. Um, my friend Brian's going to find this very funny. We would often do our, our mock interviews together. And one of my favorite things to ask people was, do you know recursion? And it wasn't to trick them or anything. It was just to let them know and understand that it's okay to say no in an interview setting. But the majority of them never said no. And my favorite question to give was to recursively uh, reverse a string. And it brought me somewhat joy seeing, like, the look in their eyes just go, "Mm -mm." (laughs) mm-mm. And then having them step through it, it, it was fun, but... They learned that day that you shouldn't say yes, that you know something when you absolutely do not know it. Because I consider myself a somewhat nice interviewer too, but somebody's going to be even worse than me making you do that shit. So that's a little tidbit for you. Last things to know, system design and operating systems. Oh my goodness. Um, I'm actually going to talk a little bit about system design because system design is so important, especially when you're going for senior level positions. Please, 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 um, actually in Cracking the Coding interview, there is a chapter on system design. Please go through that chapter and go through the questions that she gives as examples and know that shit. Know it backwards and forwards because... Um, you know what, maybe not even senior positions, mid to senior level positions are going to expect you to know to know system design and how to fully flesh out an application or the MVP of an application. And I feel like that's not focused on enough when it comes to interviewing. We always focus on the whiteboarding and the algorithms, but you know, when you once you start going up the ladder, they're going to expect you to know how to design a system and that's really important. And of course, operating systems, that is a given. I did not have a lot of knowledge about operating systems. I had very base knowledge about operating systems um, coming into this process. But when I read that, (laughs) I did a lot of Googling. Um, You know, it just comes into a place where I 
was self-taught a lot of things when I was younger and going to a coding boot camp there. I feel those things were just um, holes in my knowledge that I needed to fill in with that from not having a traditional computer science degree. But I'm doing just fine. So the final thing that I'm going to talk about in this episode is probably a lot of people are asking, why in the world would you turn down, in the end, a Google interview? And I went over this a little bit in the beginning, but I'm just not in a good place to be interviewing for any FANG-type company. I'm reiterating myself, but studying for a FANG software engineering position is no joke. It's not a game. You know, a lot of these companies, if you fail an interview, you have to wait a year before you can be interviewed again if the recruiter is nice and gives you that leeway. And I did not want to waste an opportunity where I knew that I was not in a mental state to give my all to this process. And um, I feel like it was the right move for me right now. I'm not saying that My next move needs to be to a fang company or anything like that. But with things that I have have experienced and things that I'm currently experiencing, whatever my next position is, I know that it needs to be a good fit for me uh, culturally. And I'm not talking about like drinking culture or frat culture or whatever a lot of these companies tend to based their hiring off of. That's not what I mean. I mean, culturally for me, that there's black people around, there's black women around. I have a uh, supportive manager that I actually like and believe in the product that I'm working on, that I'm not being pigeonholed into a certain type of work because of my experience or because I can just get it done faster. These are all things that are really important to me. And you know what? I've always said that, you know, money is very nice and I'm not going to be making any backwards moves or I'm not making lateral moves either. The next position that I take is definitely going to be one that I think for myself is an upward position. But working for Google right now or um, interviewing for Google right now is just not a good fit for me. And I think that a lot of people think that I'm out of my mind for doing that. That's fine. By all means, you can go interview at Google. Luckily for you, you listen to this entire episode, so you can go do that now with information. It's just not, I'm just not in a good place to do that now, and hopefully one day in the future I will be. Hooray, you made it to the end of the episode. I haven't done an outro in so long. Am I going to do it correctly? As always, if you like this episode and you like the information I'm giving you or if you liked any previous episodes, please feel free to leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this podcast. It really helps me out in terms of climbing up the charts and getting other people to listen to the podcast, which in turn gives me a revenue stream for this podcast, which, you know, is always lovely i would like to make money from this although i do enjoy making the content if you have any questions comments or concerns uh please feel free to email the get cute podcast at gmail.com i do email people back eventually over the past few months it has been kind of slow but now that i'm back into the swing of things it will probably be within one or two days i'm i promise how's that hope you believe me but yeah That's it. I don't have any talks scheduled as of right now. It's already six days into 2020, which also means that I'm behind on my talk schedule. So I probably should start working on things like that now. Uh, Just giving myself anxiety about it. But I hope you enjoyed this episode. I've missed talking to myself and talking to Luna. 
<laughs> recording things. So hopefully that will just get better and better in 2020. I will see y'all next time. Bye.